Hey everybody, welcome to Heterodox Americana. This is a show about thinking outside the box and examining the conventional wisdom that informs how we think and shapes how we see the world around us. The question that we're ultimately trying to get at here is, how do our unexamined ideas impact our ability to thrive as human beings? And it's our intention to unpack some of these ideas, take a fresh heterodox perspective that hopefully leads us somewhere new. My name is Raphael Freeman, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm Angie Backus, another one of your hosts. I want to talk about boredom because it's a thing. Um, you know, you hear these comments from people sometimes, like, I'm bored, or that's boring, or I don't want to do that because it's not exciting enough. <clears throat> or maybe, in fact, I was talking to somebody not too long ago, and they were telling me, that they really have a problem with relationships because um, essentially what starts to happen, these are intimate relationships. It was a woman who was dating uh, a guy and she said, uh, I get bored and then I have to figure out what to do to move on. Right. Um, But I found with her that oftentimes the moving on even unconsciously is more around bringing drama into the relationship or finding something wrong with it. It it gives this element of excitement that she's unconsciously going towards. And we were exploring this idea of boredom. I remember, and I haven't mentioned this to you for a while, but uh, it was years ago, you and I were talking once, so long ago, it was probably 15 years ago. I guess that's long ago. And um, we were that we were hanging out, and I said to you, "I feel bored." It was a cold night, I remember, and I, I'm remembering this so specifically because what you said to me got me thinking about something. The way boredom is um, in my life, it, it got me thinking about it so differently. Um, and you said, "I never get bored." And I said, you, you never get bored? Aren't you bored now? Like, we're not doing anything. It's true, I never get bored. <laughs> Do you remember this by chance? No. Um, probably because it wasn't impacting you, it was impacting me. And I said, how can you never get bored? And you said, well, there's there are too many things to think about. Um, I can always consider whatever else there is in my life, even if I'm starting to find, you know, something lacking you said there's always something I can go to in my head that is exciting right um and I I at that time 15 years ago it was such a novel idea to me I was I thought wow that's odd I mean because I thought about life as an experience of these um external experiences like you find ways to be happy or entertained um but, you know, that started me on a track 15 years ago. But I think now, um, past then, I've learned so much about uh, the way uh, the way of our psychology. I've learned so much about mindfulness and being present to the moment. And so much about staying connected to my own internal locus of control rather than right. depending on the external locus of control. That now this is um, a practice that I'm so aware of that it just is. It, it's how I function. You know, it's funny. I, I, I had a cousin say it to me once because um, he's bored all the time. And, I, you know, I told him, you're bored because you're boring. Mm. Um, 
And I, I didn't mean that as a insult. As an insult, I mean, you know, I didn't mean it as a very deep insult. Uh, he is my cousin, so there's always a little bit of that. But um, th- there's a life of the mind. Um, you, you, you know, do you remember that movie, A Beautiful Mind? I do. Mm-hmm. Um, where, oh, wow, yeah. Where John Nash is, uh, is both losing his mind, but he also has this really engaged mind that is... Um, that it's, it's trying to figure out problems, right? right. Uh, specifically, John Nash. If, if you have never seen uh, A Beautiful Mind, it's about uh, essentially a mathematician who's figuring out how people interact with each other. Uh, but he's also schizophrenic, he's right? Losing he's, he's losing his mind at the same time, <laughs> uh, which is, you know, whatever. But but he, he figured out a way how to interact with his hallucinations, mm-hmm. with the characters in his mind. Um, and in some ways, I think that is, I mean, we all have characters in our mind, uh, whether they are the people in our lives. Uh, I have lots of conversations with the people, you know, in my life. In how, my head. how do they go? How do those conversations, how, how is it? Uh, I mean, they're great. We, they're we, we have conversations, we, we have debates. Do you I'm, drink coffee? No, but I'm always no. trying to prove a point, you know, uh, to the characters in my mind. Uh, but, but more than anything else, I feel like there's so many... So maybe it has to do with my orientation as a kid. As a kid, I'm constantly trying to figure out how to solve like the real kind of problems that are in my life. And so much of my orientation in life is about is about how to how to solve problems. Even problems that aren't my problems, like or our collective problems, like how do we solve global warming, right? So here's a complete tangent. Uh, the polar ice caps are melting. Yeah. One of my ideas that I've never shared with anyone, but I'm going to share it here. Oh, wow. Is to make huge, huge, right. artificial, okay. flat floating plastic icebergs. And what this will do, so, you know, one of the things that happens is the, the more the ice shrinks, uh, the more uh, the sun's rays enter into the water and heat up the water and cause the shrinkage to happen even faster, mm. uh, the melting even faster. So my thinking is, and this is non-scientific, my, my thinking is if we could use all this plastic that we have around that's clogging everything up and just make huge floating slabs of plastic and place them in the Arctic, then one, uh, the, the polar bears have something to hold on to Two, the white of the plastic will reflect those uh, those rays that are coming down will reflect it back into the atmosphere and prevent it from heating up the water and slow down the melting of the icebergs. Uh, so I don't know if this will work or not, but but I'm constantly doing uh, stuff like that. Bored, right? do I don't you? get bored because it's like <laughs> there's too much stuff to consider, right? Um, but but I want to come back, you know, later. I'm gonna let, let you jump in here. But I want to come back later to what I think that the kind of driving force of, you know, what happens with people in their boredom. But it seems like you're about to say something. Well, I I mean that's fascinating, and um, you know, knowing you for this many years, I, I I've been privy to those big ideas at times when you'll just be contemplating something and you'll come up with like some kind of world solution that I hadn't ever considered. Um, which is, I think, a bonus of your brain. Um, I don't necessarily solve ice cap problems in my head. But what I've learned and what I was talking about with uh, 
this person when she was considering what being bored was like with this this person that she was uh, starting to see and she was saying you know he's he's funny he's nice I like him um, but I just I'm concerned you know this is gonna be boring and it, it just so happened that they had this this nice day planned in on um, on a Saturday they were gonna go hiking up this mountain that they you know he'd chosen and she hadn't really been hiking before so he was going to help her and she was looking forward to it but she was concerned that it was going to be boring right and um so we started talking about what that meant you know that really she was depending on anything external to bring all of this vi- vibrancy to those moments right you know which it could you know and i was saying to her i said okay well you're afraid you're going to get bored um, because whatever you're considering is exciting isn't in the midst, right? Um, what if you internally chose to to not be bored? What if you found something fascinating? Like, you know, you're walking up and you look at the grass a little bit differently or you see the sky right. along the you know horizon on the hill or you note like how your legs are moving up the mountain totally we went on and on i mean it's it's actually participating in in your life instead of waiting for whatever the next thing is to be exciting is that you create the excitement within yourself and in that moment it's so possible so it's funny this is one of the things that i think you know in all of this western exploration of of eastern philosophy and eastern ideas it's one of the things that i think uh east these kind of eastern thought really helps us or can help us the most with. Uh, nothing has probably entered the mainstream. I'm talking about medicine uh, as much as mindfulness has. Mm-hmm. Uh, now there are Western ways, you know, coming out of Western tradition of considering that the life of the mind and the internal life, um, you know, kind of coming out, out of Greek philosophy. But the the level of self observation and just being still uh, that comes, you know, from Eastern thought. I, here, I, I think it's one of these things that's valuable. Um, because you're right, right? We, we can be mindful. There are two things that we can do in this, in this boredom scenario. We can be mindful, and all the new ways that mindful has started to, to blossom. Mm-hmm. When I say new ways, I mean things like now there's a science to, like, savoring, right? Right. And savoring has become its own, like, you know, there are people who are writing papers about what it means to savor. Um, and, you know, savoring is essentially, it's being mindful about the experience that, uh, that you're, that you're actually enjoying in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so things like that have emerged, but there's also, you know, there's also room for awe. There's also oh. awe, mm-hmm. A-W-E, awe. Uh, there's room for, you know, mindfulness, obviously, and really just being mindful of the thing that you're experiencing and, and you're taking in. But also considering, you know, what it took to, to be here, what it took to do, whatever it is that you're doing, right? right. Uh, one of my... I'm going to bore you guys with the story, but one of the things that I love to contemplate is what it takes to make a cup of espresso, right? Um, and, you know, a cup of espresso, it's, it's about one ounce, and there are all these hands that are involved, but it's more than just the hands, right? So if we go to the coffee farm, there's the person who, um, you know, there are all the people who are on the farm, plus the farmer himself, plus everything else, right? That's one level. But there's also an, a level of intentionality behind it, right? Uh, there's an intention that happens when, you know, the person who's the, the, the coffee farm worker gets up in the morning 
and you know he has a relationship with his family. It's, it's not always he, but in this, you know, there. Are, let's say this person, right? Okay. Uh, a lot of times, d- depending on the country, they're men, but some there's a better distribution uh, of men uh, to women in some other countries. But um, this person gets up in the morning uh, with with the intention of doing some relatively hard work to to feed their family, uh, but specifically with with specialty coffee there's also an intentionality uh, about their relationship with the coffee plant itself mm-hmm. um and th- that goes into you know how they're picking what's in the shade what's not in the shade all these things matter the coffee you know uh, farm owner um himself also has uh, an intention about where he wants his his crop to go, what he wants the coffee to do for that season, where he wants the yield to go, all of these things. Mm-hmm. And so we have both the labor and the intention. And for me, uh, the intention is kind of like the magical part. But it's like I have some thoughts about it. I have some ideas about it. I have some intentions around this thing. And then the buyers come in, and the buyers are looking for things. They are uh, they're discarding one lot and they're looking for another lot. And they have their own intention about what they're going to select. Mm-hmm. And these buyers take it back and they, you know, uh, then the roasters get involved. And the roasters are very specific about the, the type of flavor profile that they want to bring to it, right? And so the intentionality of the buyers in terms of their selection and the coffee farmer and the coffee picker and the roaster, those are all kind of in that, like physically, all of those intentions are bound in that bean, in that coffee bean. Mm-hmm. And then, then you get to the barista, who, you know, if you're at a place that's doing even half a decent job, uh, the barista wants a, a particular yield, a particular kind of uh, product in the cup. And the barista has to work that. It's not just like hitting a button uh, like at Starbucks uh, and you get what you get. Right. The barista has this intention. I want my customers to experience this in this cup. And looking at that entire chain, not to mention the history of it, which is also crazy, but you know you have this tremendous history, which I'll spare you. But you have all of all of these hands and all of these minds and all of these hearts and all of this intention that goes into a single cup that that we get to consume. Now it, it's possible to just drink it and think about what you're tasting and savor it, but you could also savor it with that entire chain of intentionality in mind mm. and, and really feel connected for me at least mm-hmm. feel connected to this kind of very human process of what it means to bring something to the table and, and all of those stories that are connected to that, that cup of coffee for me you can do that at any moment right um and so you know again how, how could you be bored yeah that's a great story. I, I think it does take what the word you use, a lot of intentionality. I know you've talked about this with regard to just our food. You know, we're so cut off from our food sources because of grocery stores. Right. And um, thinking about really, you know, the farmers or where the food was grown or how it was grown, which, you know, when, when you mentioned that to me um, years ago, I, I started thinking about that. And it does kind of give you more connection one to you know uh honestly the earth you know what we're doing here but two um to the moment in which you're you know participating in whether you're eating a strawberry or mango or or whatever so yeah i like that i think that that you know these are little disciplines you can insert in your life to say how do i wake this moment up and there are always ways to wake the moment up 
I think, you know, one of the things that, and of course this is, you know, ubiquitous out there in thought is, you know, we have these, uh, you know, this technology now that keeps us from moments of boredom, which I think then creates more boredom if we don't have something to go to. Um, And being bored, and we've talked about this on the show, and of course this is, again, a widespread thought out there, is that we don't really have the opportunity anymore to get to somewhere else in our brains because we're always pulling out a miniature-sized computer um, from our pocket. There's an author who I really like uh, named Cal Newport, who um, he's like an MIT professor, but he writes some some really interesting books. But he talks about this idea of the banishment of solitude, mm-hmm. uh, and he's saying that we we you know I guess the difference between aloneness and solitude is solitude is is all of those moments where you just have your own thoughts. Right. So you know to make the distinction, he says you can be on Mount Kilimanjaro all by yourself, but if you're listening to uh, you know the Beatles or something like that then it's not a moment of solitude. Yeah. Whereas you could be in a room full of people and then just in your own mind, just really start yeah. going into your own thoughts. That's solitude. Right. Um, but he's saying, you know, I, I think mostly to your point, is because we have these powerful, I mean, more, you know, the computers that we carry around are more powerful th- than the computers that they use to send um, the first mission to the moon, mm, right? That's crazy. Um and, and and the the subsequent ones, all like all of the Apollos, right? Mm-hmm. We have more computing power in our pockets now wow. uh, than than the Apollo missions. Um, but because we do have that that level of power and connectivity and desire, mm-hmm. then the default is very easy. Right. Um, you just go to that, and right. then right. But you you don't have those precious moments with yourself. That's right. You know, I I've had this re- interesting relationship with Facebook, as probably many of us do. I've gone in these different phases um, of being extremely active, or like probably posting, quote unquote, you know, once a day. And um, there was a time in my life a few years ago where, you know, whatever I was engaged in, I would be forming the next post of, you know, what my experience is, you know, oh, wow. however it was clever. I mean, I'd only post once a day. It wasn't like crazy. I wasn't posting a million times a day. But I went from that to, you know, uh, noting that my experiences were now so outwardly directed that it was not really me connecting to the experience, but me connecting to whatever it was going to be in terms of visibility. Um, and I kind of saw that. So I pulled back and you, I stopped. You mean you were doing it for the likes? Yeah, like how clever I could be, is this funny, Um, you know, whatever it is uh, I wanted people to understand about me in a a particular way. I stopped doing that a few years ago, but, you know, I would still engage, um, and and lately I have really pulled back. In fact, I, I just said something on Facebook, I think last night or something, about I haven't been engaged. I've been staying away because I'm trying to, you know, direct my thoughts to myself, something like that. And um, I said, but I do miss, you know, these good things like beautiful flowers or (laughs) cute dogs or, you know, your celebrations like that is connecting. But um, I think what I was noting is that by me, like stepping completely away, I was so more aware of my own thoughts and how I was evaluating them right. and what I wanted to do with them and what it meant for me to just hold my moment. Um, and it, it is a discipline once you've learned to or, th- 
or have been geared towards this kind of external um, sense of what it is that you're trying to gain from the gaze. So let me ask you this: how many how many likes did that put that that post get? Um, I think as of now, I, I, it's gotten a lot of likes. Wow! Yeah, there you go. I mean, you know, I don't think phenomenally so, but yeah. So let's reorient in, in this. I mean, we've talked about what people can do. I mean, I guess we've covered sort of this idea of boredom and why it's not a necessity, but um, why does it, in your opinion, why does it happen anyway? Like, what's boredom about? How do people get there? What purpose does it serve, if any? I think, you know, I think to our earlier point, I think boredom is about the stimulation that we're craving from let's just say the environment. Um, whatever we're looking for, we want the engagement from the outside world to bring up something of what I would call, and I say this word a lot in my sessions, um, something of our vitality. It makes us feel, you know, like there's vitality, it's excitement. Um, and, you know, to this person's point, you know, relationships oftentimes go in this direction. It's sometimes why people, you know, stray or leave each other or it dissolves it's just you're not exciting anymore you're not exciting me and you know uh i've mentioned her you've mentioned her on the show um before her esther perel who is a relationship expert one of her her charges is for couples or in intimate relationships she said you can always find always find something new about your partner you can engage even if you're looking at them in a particular way, you can find things you've not found before, even after 20 years together. And she talks about this intentionality of bringing, you bringing the vitality. You're looking at your partner to do something new or be something great or even um, you know excite you in bed. She said, you do that. Um, the variety that you're looking for is the way that we always look for variety in the world in many things. And this could go for anything we do, you know, the, the ways in which we participate in the world, that we're expecting something to bring us all of what we think is our internal, you know, ignition, rather than finding it within ourselves and us bringing that to somebody else. So even this idea of the vitality that you're talking about, why do we even need that? I, you know, I don't think I would know exactly how to pinpoint that, but I think there is something about experiences that keep us charged. Um, our brains are looking for, you know, something to create stimulation, um, whether that be, you know, physical or mental. Um, it, it keeps us kind of engaged, I think. Here's what I'm curious about. I'm curious about the the internal life of cats. Have you ever just seen a cat just? Wait, here, here's your road to not being bored. The internal life of <laughs> no, cats. Exactly. Uh, here's my road to not being bored. Have you ever just seen a cat just like sit and not be entertained, and they they're just fine? Totally. Like I mean, that's a lot, what a lot of cats for do. like a long period of time. Yeah. It's like what's happening in that they're cat's head. He's like mm, not nothing. I'm just doing this. I love that, right? That seems so much harder for us. Um, there is no, I'm just, I'm just, I mean, you know, for some people, right? But it, it takes, you got to get there. But the cat is, I mean, you know, dogs to maybe a lesser degree, but the cat is like, oh, I'm just, I'm just doing this. I'm not waiting for anything. I ain't got nowhere to be. I'm just going to do this. Uh, and I wonder if our, you know, so we're also future oriented. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. And we also have a sense of, of our own mortality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think enough awareness that w- with a sense of our mortality and a sense of our f- future orientation, like death is death is always coming. It's always pending. Right? Yeah. There's an impending death mm-hmm. um, that we kind of push away, but we know is there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we slow down really, when we get really, really slow, uh, we start to feel the weight of that, mm. uh, and that's a weight that that we don't like. We hate that weight. That that you know, we, I talked a little bit about you know, kind of existential angst, uh, but I think in addition to that existential angst, there's this this idea of this impending death. And so, how do you distract yourself? Mm-hmm. How do you not be like pinned in by this kind of dual? Uh, this this dual like weight of, of existential angst and the the you know what some people have like a, a meaning crisis or purpose crisis and the, and this impending death and mm-hmm. what you do is you entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, entertainment you know just takes it all away and yeah you feel good. It's a form of just of distraction too, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. I think that you know even thinking about this person that that I was talking about. I mean, a lot of her um her need for or her desire for this vitality outside of herself is because she actually is dealing with quite a bit of pain and i think it is somewhat of a distraction from the pain um the boredom brings up or maybe the solitude brings up the thoughts that perhaps she doesn't really want to consider so how do we not consider those thoughts will we find something more fun and exciting to do and we right. don't have to we don't have to face it yeah that's the whole thing you know i think because if i'm really asking like what is the feeling of boredom i think it has to do with that stuff mm-hmm. and yeah I, I mean i think that there are there's some things to consider there do you do you recall a time recently that you felt boredom i mean it's... no it doesn't happen for me <laughs> Okay, so that's just a flat no. No, no. I mean, I have uh, sometimes there's anxiety around will I get this done? Mm-hmm. You know, stress around. Oh my God, is there enough time uh, to get X project done in X amount of time? But boredom, <laughs> no. But do you think happen. you're maybe do you do you have moments of like internet wanderings? Like, oh look at that! I went down this rabbit hole of Wikipedia. Oh, sh- sure, to, absolutely. I mean, I, I, I have ADD yeah. and uh, and a, a curiosity, you know, an insatiable curiosity. Um, in fact, you know, so one of my last Facebook posts, uh, and I post very rarely, was I wonder if the pone in postpone mm-hmm. is related to the pone and poner, which is a Spanish word means to, uh, to put, right, or mm-hmm. to place. Um, and, you know, to postpone means to put off. Right. And poner is to put or to place. Okay. I was like, ah, I wonder if these, I wonder if these, uh, these words are related. Yeah. Uh, and it was mostly, I mean, I, I kind of just looking at the the roots of the verb. I get lost in this kind of stuff, right? Looking at the roots of the verb, I was almost sure. Yeah. And, you know, I have one other linguist friend who answered almost immediately. He was like, dude, you could look this up. I was like, I know I could have looked it up, buddy. <laughs> but I wanted to get people engaged. And I was really looking to get, like, uh, like my Spanish-speaking friends who also speak English to get right. them engaged. Right. None of them did, right? Um, they were like, I'm not taking this bait. Uh, but, in fact, these, these words are related. Um 
but but so I fall down rabbit holes all the time on the internet. Yeah. Um, but my ADD is such a driver that you know. Um, so it's not boredom. It's just like, oh, what is this about? Okay. I mean, I've witnessed your ADD, but I I wondered if, you know, maybe even without you being aware that it is a um, a path to not be bored, but you're thinking no. No, I mean, yeah, I guess I think of information in a very specific way. All the information that I'm interested in is how I can use it in the future. Mm-hmm. If it's not future, like, if if I can't see the utility of, like, how could I use this information in the future? That information actually is, like, really un, uninteresting and unsexy to me. Mm-hmm. Someone's like, oh, Abraham Lincoln's birthday is this day. I'm like, who cares? You know, for me, I'm never going to use that information, so I don't care at all. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about my kind of fast from from Facebook. It it was not just a fast from posting. It was a it was actually a fast from even going on, and it had be- become somewhat of a default for me just to like yeah, you know, I'm sitting here, so it, even you know, kind of a passive. Let me check out what's going on in the world out there in Facebook land. And once I took that away from myself. I was so aware of when I was default, I would have defaulted to that. And, you know, I'm thinking a lot of people even listening have done the same sort of thing. But as I felt the default, then I would say to myself, well, what am I looking for? I see. So you were, were you going to say something else? No, no. So you raise the awareness of, of, of your habit, you know, of the trigger for your habit. And then try to figure out what what need that habit was meeting. This is coach talk, but oh, that's coach yeah. talk. Yeah, coach. Uh, I was <laughs> I was aware. I I noted the the trigger, and then I noted. So for a few seconds, I would have this moment of, but what else is there? Mm. You know, because it becomes so much a part of a default of where I go that it felt like almost like I was entering a. A cave, you know, and I think that was some of what could have been described as I'm on the road to boredom. I see. Um, but instead, I, you know, I ordered two new books, one um, by Bell Hooks that I'm reading that I love. And I started to consider, oh, uh, am I, you know, trying to figure out what to do with this time and what, how do I want to spend it and what would be worthwhile? And I wouldn't go through this litany of questions every time, but yeah, but it made me aware of what I was trying to gain from a moment and what I could do with myself instead, instead of going to the world out there to say, okay, provide, you know, a, a meme or let me watch an argument or whatever it was. So if, if you were orienting yourself, I mean, let's, let's think about, um, let's think about what happens in those moments where you do have that feeling and it is triggering your, your, whatever it is that you need to do. Um, instead of doing that, um, what, what are some of the things that you can do instead? Read. I, you know, I, I would pick up a book. There were, there were a couple times, or there have been times, when I would sit. I wouldn't do anything. I, I was like the cat, right. you know. I, I have this, um, in my apartment, I have this bit wall of, like, a myriad of photos throughout the years. And um, there were a few times where I would just study a photo and think about the time that, that it was taken or... You know, think about, you know, my parents that, that their, those photos are on the wall. And, you know, I go through um, and consider them 
Um, but I wasn't just passively doing it. I was like noting it. I'm, right. I'm sitting here and that, I'm, that's, I'm watching. That's a key differentiator. Yeah. You know, for people who have never, uh, I mean, you know, and this is the skills. This is even an orientation uh, for, but for people who haven't been oriented in this kind of mindful way or slowing down way or just like really kind of taking the time, uh, what would you say is, is a practice that they could use immediately to, to, to kind of jettison the, the boredom? That's the wrong word, but to kind of shake off the boredom. Yeah, I think this is important because even when I talk to clients, what I've noted is it has to be a plan. Almost. I mean, it may sound, you know, not very sexy, but you almost have to consider, okay, if I'm going to go in this direction, if, I, if I'm going to go to Facebook and my intention is to not do that so much, you, you probably should write out a few things. I'll do this instead. Right. You know, m- one of my favorite things I say to clients for whatever reason is like, have a pot of, you know, have some tea. Right. Like boil the water, wait for it to boil. Um, pour it in, um, drink it, look at the color of the tea, you know, taste it. Um, that could be, you know, so you find these things in your life that you could say, I'm going to do this instead, but I know I don't have to think of it on the, on the fly. I'm going to have an arsenal of things that perhaps I'm going to go to instead a walk, you know, going out. But if you take the walk, look at the sky, look at the tree, pick up a leaf, study the leaf. Um, watch a cat walk in front of you. I mean, this is all mindfulness stuff. Right. But if there happen to be cats around, if there happen to be cats in, in this neighborhood, there are a ton of them. But yeah, I mean, I think that this is an intentional discipline that you can develop. But like anything, you have to. You probably should have a plan, or else it's not going to happen. Right. And, and the payoff is. Uh, I mean, the payoff is tremendous. I think what you get to see. So I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot to compare it to um, because my my brain is. I've, I've been doing this for long enough, mm-hmm. uh, a long enough time that I, I I don't really remember what it's like to not have this kind of seeking curiosity. Um, I mean, even when you know when I was eighteen years old, I, I was in a I, I was at a I was a camp counselor. And and yeah, I remember one of these times. It, it was raining. Uh, it rained on our fi- on our campfire that we just built. And we were in a U shaped kind of configuration with four cabins kind of lining this squarish U. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the so if you could imagine like a rectangle uh, with one of the sides cut off, like that was the U, and the cabins were lining that U. And the missing uh, side of that rectangle was like the exit of that little encampment, right? And there was a campfire right in the middle. Mm-hmm. And I remember it, it, it raining and had just put out the fire and the kids had run to their perspective, like porches, the, all the cabins had porches. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of them went inside. And I, I was just really curious as to, you know, what the grass felt like at that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took my shoes off. And, you know, I was getting wet and the kids were laughing at me. Um, but he, here we were in, in, in Pennsylvania, in the Poconos. Um, and once upon a time, there were no cabins there. It was just like that earth. And that earth that we were standing on was fundamentally not that changed from the way it had been since time immemorial. Mm-hmm. And I just got to stand there and be connected to like, oh, this is a planet that we're on. Right? And it's just happenstance mm-hmm. that 
we're here, but like you get to be connected to that. It's kind of amazing. Uh, yeah, it felt amazing. Yeah. You know, so that anyway, that was me at eighteen. But uh, I, I think when when I think about what's going to happen at the end, and by the end I mean the end of our lives, right? Because um, death is coming. And I'm always curious as to, you know, what will those, if, if I get to live a long life, mm-hmm. if I get to live a long life, um, what will it be? What will those questions to myself be around, did you get to be your best self? Mm-hmm. And uh, did you get to do the things that you wanted to do? Did you get to contribute in the way that you wanted to contribute? Mm-hmm. Um, did you get to help and serve in the way that you wanted to, to help and serve? Uh, and for me, that's enough orientation. Um, that I, you know, it's like I always feel like we got we got work to do, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> like so much work to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get to it. And, and I guess if if I were, if I were, you know, trying to you know walk people through my own process, I, I would say start with the end in mind, mm-hmm. um, which is Stephen Covey. But really start with the end in mind. Start with your own end in mind, and think about the things that you know. If you get to live, because we don't all right. right? Um, there are lots of things that befall us that we might not make it to the end that we envision. But if we do, you know, if we, say you get there and you didn't plan right, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you get to 80 and the only thing you've accomplished is, you know, I don't know, 10 per- percent of what you could have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how will your life feel? Mm-hmm. Um, and will you be happy with it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for me, I guess I live my life with enough intentionality that if I were to go tomorrow, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, if I if I get to squeeze another, you know, hundred more years out of this thing, then <laughs> then I, I want to make sure that I get to uh, to one thirty seven. Um, oh, there we are again. Yeah. I want to make sure we get to one thirty seven with uh, you know, uh, with the sense that I, I've done what I've come to do. Yeah, well, in order for you to, you know, live out those 137 years, you know, you should probably keep going with the resveratrol. But um, besides that, um, I like that. I like considering what it's like uh, to think about the end of life and what you would want to have. You know, I've pictured this often, like what, you know, those last moments or what would I want in those last hours and for me, I would want the people I love to be around me. I would, right. I would want those people. And so, even in the sense of you know, ch- talking about being bored, I have um, grown and opened myself to being more and more curious about people. Um, and this is everybody. You know, sometimes when I'm out with my friends for dinner, uh, they get irritated because if the server starts talking. Um, I engage them, you know, and they're like, oh, oh wow. just yeah, get the was, server out, yeah. I just want our food. That would kill me. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, this isn't for everybody, but I'm, I am, and I've, I have taught myself to be genuinely curious. That, that for me is kind of this little nugget, this moment right. where I get to kind of hear somebody else. And I, I enjoy that human connection enough that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm not unreasonable. It's not like, you know, it's 20 minutes and my food is getting cold. But I, I don't really dismiss. It's We talked about this not too long ago, but like an Uber driver. If an Uber driver starts talking to me and I have the wherewithal to be there, like if I'm doing some kind of work in the not so much. But, yeah, I was just curious about, about people, about their thoughts, about how it works. And for me, those little nuggets of connection 
they're kind of funny. They're fun, you right. know. And sometimes it can be really funny. I have this one lady, this Uber driver, that um, we got into a conversation, and um, she has a cake making business. And uh, so, you know, by the end of it, you know, I was asking her all about it. And she was very excited about it, and she said, "Can I give you my Instagram?" And I'm like, "Totally." And so daily, I see the cake that this Uber driver makes. Um, you know, this chance encounter that I probably spent, you know, seven minutes with her in the Uber driving to Center City. And wow. like, I actually really like seeing her cakes. I'm like, "Wow, she's good." And go. I've even thought, you know, if I need a new cake, if I need a cake that I'm not going to bake for myself because I usually do my own, I'm calling her. Wow. There you go. All these ways to not be bored. I, mean, I, I guess we have to admit that this is long ago stopped really being a 30-minute show. Um, Go so fast. We're, we're certainly out of time. So uh, For me, I'm not sure for everybody right. else. But. Uh, I, I certainly uh, thank everyone for, for continuing to hang in there with us. And, uh, you know, if you think any of this material is helpful or relevant to anyone in your life and certainly uh you know pass the information and spread the podcast love and uh we'll talk to you in a week yeah and also if you have a question about things that we've said um this last episode the mansplaining episode that we did last week i've gotten a few questions about that and we'll probably address that at some point um but yeah if you hear a show you disagree with it you think that you know somebody's mansplaining or somebody's being you know saying things that you're disagreeing with let us know and we can talk about it that's fun yeah it's definitely fun to. for you isn't it Raphael? you love that stuff i do i feel like you're mansplaining to me though but oh, okay. <laughs> anyway we'll see you soon see ya